Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, available at uh, Facebook as well, Lakes, Woods, and Irons on our Facebook page, and also Podcast MN, the new landing spot for Minnesota podcasts. You'll find us there as well, courtesy of Mills GM, the home of affordable luxury, the 2020 Buicks. Chris Foley with me. Chris, uh, we're finally getting a little movement at the professional levels in sports, and golf's going to be one of the first ones through the door, which I'm happy of. Yeah, we're going to be back to live golf on the PGA Tour, and it should be a great week. They've got a great field, and players are really anxious to play. That's one thing. It seems to be that, uh, boy, the uh, fields are going to be really tough. I mean, the best players in the world are just going to play because they haven't been able to play. So uh, a lot of times it seems like, you know, several will take a couple weeks off here and there. But right now it seems like it's going to be a run toward the majors by all the big names. Well, you've got, you know, the, the season's been so condensed and a player like, for instance, Brooks Kepka, who hasn't played much early in the season, he, he doesn't have many points in the FedEx Cup. So if he doesn't play a lot, he's risking not, not making the playoffs. Yeah, exactly right. A lot of guys don't play a lot early in the year. And I know some guys jump up early. They take advantage of that uh, wraparound season. And uh, they're not no-names by any means. They're good players, but they take advantage of the big names not being there. And uh, they've got a little bit of a point lead right now on some of the big names. And uh, the kids that get out a little bit too, I know Katie uh, played in a tournament and some of the other Brainerd boys and girls went to Alexandria and played. It's uh, not uh, high school sponsored by any means, but at least it's competitive tournament and uh, they get to play against their peers from other schools. Kind of nice to nice to get that opportunity to compete. Yeah, it was nice. We we had three or four Brainerd girls and five or six boys down there, and it was it was a neat event because they did have a team aspect of it. If you had enough players, and uh, they played in tough conditions, very windy Sunday, but uh, some nice scores from several of our Brainerd kids. Yeah, it turned out good. Katie had a pretty nice day. I think eighty and uh, finished fourth overall. That Alexandria. Uh, teams have been loaded the last couple of years. You know, Alexandria and Detroit Lakes always have, have very good teams. They've got a tradition of, of good golf there, and it, um, they always seem to play well during the high school season. A little later in the show, we'll check in with John Polkis with Theragun. Terrific product, theragun.com. Uh, since our conversation with John, I've got my hands on one of these, and uh, very, very helpful product for uh, golfers maybe my age, uh, Maybe any age, I would think, but theragun.com, you can check that out. We'll also be back with a very entertaining segment, our second segment, actually, with Alan Tate, golfin.com. Golfin.com, you can find Alan's uh, uh, pathway to golf equipment there and uh, maybe get some for uh, the youngsters or the young golfers in your life, golfin.com. Alan is a uh, professional in Scotland, director of golf at the Marriott Dalhamhoy Hotel and Country Club on the outskirts of Edinburgh. He won the uh, Scottish PGA Match Play Championship in 1996. He's got a great uh, story that he'll start us off with this segment, covering Tom Watson. He was working for the BBC when Tom Watson made his legendary run at the Open Championship at age 59. A legendary story in golf, and I should mention it's golfin.com, G-O-L-P-H-I-N, golfin, G-O-L-P-H-I-N. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. You'll find us on Facebook at Lakes, Woods, and Irons as well, and also at Podcast MN, Podcast MN, the new landing spot for uh, 
Minnesota podcast, so check us out there. This segment is brought your way by Holiday Stores in Cross Lake and Mill Avenue. Stop by Holiday Stores for all your uh, snack and refreshing drink needs and uh, fuel as well, of course. We continue now with part two of our segment with Alan Tate. Alan Tate is the director of golf at the Marriott Dalmahoy Hotel and Country Club on the outskirts of Edinburgh. Alan won the Scottish PGA Match Play Championship in 1996, the Tartan Order of Merit the same year, and has an uh, interesting career in golf. Um, we'll start with a great story that he has with uh, Tom Watson. Following Tom Watson, working for the BBC at the time when Tom Watson made his terrific run in the uh, British Open at age 59. Alan's uh, information, you can find it at golfin.com, golfin.com. G-O-L-P-H-I-N uh, dot com. G-O-L-P-H-I-N dot com. And he's got My Pathway to Golf for uh, youngsters and some great kits that you can get, again, at G-O-L-P-H-I-N golfin dot com. We continue now with Alan Tate. Alan, talk about your, your broadcast career a little bit, BBC uh, Radio Scotland, and also uh, maybe some experiences you've had on the course as an on-course commentator. That's pretty fun. Yeah, it's great fun. I love it. It's, it's only for um, the, the BBC Radio Scotland. So we don't get to cover that many events because there only ever, only ever is maybe two or three in Scotland. You know, we'll have the Scottish Open or last year with the Solheim Cup at Glen Eagles, which we covered. Uh, we obviously covered the Ryder Cup when it was at Glen Eagles and, and we get the occasional Open Championship which when, when it's in Scotland. But it's it's a shame because I, I love it. You know, you're you're inside the ropes. You're you're. It's for me. It's almost it's the next best thing to actually playing yourself. It's just fantastic to be uh, walking the fairways with these superstars. And I think my 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 favourite moment was well, it was a, a a kind of bittersweet moment. And I was in Tom Watson's group in 2009 when he was playing the 18th hole at Tunbury. Oh wow! When he needed a par to win the Open, aged 59 yeah. years old, and and I think I'm probably every golf in the world. We've all got a soft spot for Tom Watson. He's a wonder. He's been a wonderful ambassador for the game, an absolute gentleman. And I couldn't believe I was witnessing that. You know, what in my opinion would have been the biggest sporting story ever, not just in golf. But for a 59-year-old man to win the Open at Tunbury would have been absolutely sensational. And I, and I was commentating. I was right there with him. And he hit his second shot, and it was all over the flag. I mean, he, he flushed it. I think it was a 9 or an 8 iron. And the ball hit the hardest part on the green. You actually heard the thud when it landed. And he just he got, he was so unlucky. And the ball just kept running and running and running, and it just fell over the back. And, and where his ball actually finished against the collar of the rough, he was so unlucky because it was almost like playing um, pool or snooker where your ball's under the cushion and his ball was almost lying against the rough. If, if his ball had continued another two inches, he'd have been in the semi-rough and he would have had to chip it. Or if it had stopped two inches short, he could have putted it. But he'd get caught in no man's land where that ball finished up and he tried to putt it. And he uh, got it to six, seven feet, and then his uh, putt never even looked like going in the hole. And it was, it was, it was heartbreaking. The atmosphere uh, walking down that 18th at Turnberry that day. I, honestly, the the atmosphere was incredible. I've never f- had that feeling on a golf course before. That we were all just willing this man to win and, and all be a part of this history. And and it was, it was just. And and I walked out. There was a, a four-hole playoff. And I get out into the tee of the first hole of the playoff, 
and Watson had been in inside his card and everything else. It'd probably been about 40 minutes since he'd, he'd been at the 18th and, and just missed the putt. And I'm not exaggerating, guys. He walked onto that first hole of the playoff and he had aged 10 years. I promise you, it was it was weird. His, his face just looked haggard. His hair had got greyer almost. His, his, you know, the bags under his eyes had got longer. And I looked at him and I thought, that poor man has actually aged 10 years in the last 40 minutes. And there was no way he was winning that playoff. No way. He just, he didn't have the strength and it, it just, it was awful. And um, it, and I actually felt sorry for Stuart Sink, who, who who won and he beat Watson the playoff, you know, and Stuart Sink came into the media tent after at the media centre and we were all sitting there and one of the guys, first question, how do you feel? And Stuart Sink, just took off his hat and he said, how do I feel? I feel like bad Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's what he said. And and, and and we all felt the same. And and I felt sorry for him because he's just won the Open. He's just won a, a major. And, and he's, and he's you know, he, he was probably the most unpopular winner ever because we all wanted Watson to win. So that was probably my uh, my most memorable kind of um, 15, 20 minutes that coming down 18 that day with Watson and everything that happened after it. It was it was sensational, but unfortunately there was no fairy tale ending in the end. But what an effort! What an absolute effort up against all these kids that were you know more than half his age, younger than him, and everything else. Just sensational. I agree. I think it would have been the biggest uh, upset in the history of sport. Actually, it was just a, a phenomenal effort, man. Yeah, just just fell short. I I remember thinking how how he looked. He looked he looked like there was no fuel left in the tank when he no. when he went to the playoff. Alan, were no, were you at, at his press conference following? Uh, no, I wasn't actually. We uh, we got ushered out. We um, when you're doing the radio, you're not really meant to go and and sit in any of the 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 actual player interviews. You can watch it from a monitor from inside but I had managed to sneak in to hear Stuart Sink but then I think somebody spotted me and a few of us got, <laughs> got politely told to remove and it was only for the press guy so I went and watched it on the monitor And but as always Watson was so gracious in defeat he just said you know that it was it had been a wonderful week for him and almost rolling back back the years to 1977 when him and Jack Nicholas had the famous duel in the sun at Turnberry. I mean, what a story that would have been for, for him to win it again at Turnberry after all these years. But um he, he loved he loved being in he, he loved being in contention um, you know and there, there's no way that uh, there's no way in the world did Watson bottle it. As I say, he hit two he ripped it off the tee right down the middle of the fairway and he, his second shot was absolutely superb all over the pin and he just he just he just got screwed when where wherever that ball landed on the green I, I just the gods weren't looking down on him and that was it but um he, you know he, he was gracious as ever and, and took it in his stride and and i'm sure he, he wished he could have got the job done but you you can't control these things alan another part of your career if you want to talk uh, briefly about that quite the uh, uh sought after dinner speaker you've got the have you traveled around Europe doing it or around Scotland or where do you go? Uh, pretty, pretty much just around the UK um, and I really enjoy it and, and um, you know, it's, it's it's about 40, 45 minutes I talk for and it's very um, self-deprecating of me. I'm kind of making fun of myself, you know, when I played on tour and I, I've got a few funny stories about players I played with and what I said, what they said, but probably the last 15 minutes of my routine is all talking about Tiger. I think the the game playing at Carnoustie with him and Crenshaw, I think it's what everyone wants to hear. And 
I, t I tell them that story and, and um, the nerves on the first tee and me hitting it about 80 yards off the first with a duff two iron uh, playing with Tiger in front of <laughs> thousands of people watching because I was so nervous. Um, but yeah, enjoy the dinner speaking and it's... Um, Gives me a little bit of extra income at the end of the year to pay off a credit card or go on holiday. Um, and you just meet lots of nice people. And it's it's nice just to go there. And, and you hear other stories, other speakers getting up and talking. And it's it's just a nice thing to do. And, and there's nothing better for me putting a smile on people's faces when you look out into the audience and they're enjoying it and they're smiling and they're laughing. And, and that that's really powerful. It makes it makes you feel good that you've you've made others happy, you know. So so I do enjoy that. And um, it tends to be sort of usually in the winter months when all the end of season sort of prize givings are on. So it tends to be around about October, November, December. Um, it's quite a short window you get. But I do it pretty much most weekends um, from, from that uh, sort of time period. So, yeah, good fun. Uh, it's uh, always nice to get up there and, um, touch wood. I've never, I've never felt I've died on my my backside. Um, I felt, <laughs> you know, which is always that fear. Um, so normally I'm I'm away back to my bed or my hotel, and I'm pretty buzzing that it's been a another successful night. Well, and that that's great stuff. We uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, and sharing your stories, and um, always love talking golf in Scotland. <laughs> Chris comes we'll over get, just about every year, Alan. You guys might have to well, get together. We'll need to get a game. We'll take you for a, a game at Dunbarney, and then we can go and have a nice an ice cold pint of beer somewhere. That <laughs> sounds perfect. I uh, uh, I'm scheduled to come over the the first week in October, and I'm uh, I'm hoping that's going to happen. I our, our area is very similar in that it's a big golf destination in the U.S., yep. and um, I, I'm hopeful that. Uh, you know, Scotland is so reliant on golf tourism. I, I hope that we can, you can get things up and running soon, and people can start traveling again. Yeah, it really is, and 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 you're right. I mean, a lot of people are cancelled their plans. They're just not. You know, although the courses are open, I mean, all the hotels are still closed here, and we don't know when they're going to reopen. And then obviously flights are far and few between. So. Although we've got the golf courses open, there's still a long way to go yet before we get the... the so I, I think the tourism really for this year is, is gone. I mean, I, I just I think we just need to already start preparing for next year and, and just hope that next year is going to be a bumper year for Scotland um, and try and, try and recover a bit of the damage that's been done this year. Alan, we talk about the 19th hole on the show uh, fairly often. If you were going to take a guy for a pint, do you have a couple favorite spots? <laughs> um, oh, there's plenty of plenty of great little bars in Edinburgh where I where I live. Um, Edinburgh on a summer's night when you can be down um, a place called Princess Street or Rose Street, and you're over the, the Edinburgh Castles overlooking, and it's just a wonderful, wonderful city and, and nice people. So, um, but oh, there's lots of nice nice spots in uh, in Scotland for the the 19th hole, and I, I find most of them. <laughs> <laughs> I've managed to find a few of those myself over there. <laughs> Good for you. Anything else you'd like our listeners to know, Alan? Uh, just I, I had two very happy years um, on a golf scholarship out in Texas. Uh, when I That's about 30 years ago. I, um, I won a golf scholarship out there. So I went to junior college, a little place called Paris Junior College, and I had two really happy years out there and then graduated. And um, I had the chance to go to... 
quite a few universities were wanting to sign me up, but I felt it was time to come home and, and turn pro and start um, hopefully down that professional route. Um, so I, I absolutely loved uh, my scholarship. And, and I, I say to a lot of you know up-and-coming kids in Scotland, when I meet them on my travels, they know that if they ever get the opportunity to, to have a golf scholarship in the States to do it, the education was fantastic, the facilities getting competitive golf pretty much 11, 11 months of the year, really. And, um, I mean, my golf came on just fantastically well. You know, when I came back, I was I was so sharp. And uh, it was just a great experience. You know, I'd, I'd never really been away from home and went across to a big a big place like Texas at 17, never knew anyone and, and was quite intimidated by the whole thing. And it was quite a... Uh, quite, a, and I was really homesick for the first two or three weeks. But once I got over that and started making friends, I ended up. I didn't want to come home after the two years. I, I could have quite happily stayed in America. I loved it out there. Fantastic, boy! This has been fun, Alan. Appreciate the uh, insight into uh, golf in Scotland and uh, your, the different uh, uh, various uh, careers you've got going. All all kind of related <laughs> to golf. And Chris and I've talked many times about all the. Uh, one thing about golf is it uh, reaches across uh, oceans and uh, fairways, and uh, it's such a it's such a way to meet great people. Well, absolutely, you've met so many great people over, and and you say it gives you the opportunity to travel, and it's such a social game, you know. And you do meet so you meet lifetime friends over over an eighteen hole game of golf, and you know, and and social media is wonderful. And again, social media was great because when I left. Um, Texas after my scholarship, you know, it was the usual. You kept in touch with a few of my uh, college uh, mates for maybe a couple of years, writing letters, the odd phone call, and then, like we all do, they start drying up. And then, and I had lost touch with all of them, and I, I was really sad because they were great friends. And then all of a sudden, Facebook appears and Twitter appears, and all of a sudden you can look all these guys up. So most of them are now all back on my Facebook page, and we and we get to catch up now, which is just wonderful because I really, I really missed and regretted not keeping in touch with the guys, and often wondered how they were doing. So it's weird now speaking to them, and they've all got families, and they're all doing different things. It's just it's just great, and and, and golf, golf brings you all of that and a whole lot more. Alan, can our friends, uh, fi- our listeners, I should say, find a little, uh, find out a little bit about golfing? Can they go somewhere for information on that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's just golfing.com, www.golfing.com, and just remember, it's uh, golfing spelled G-O-L-P-H-I-N, and all our details are there about our um, My Pathway to Golf program and all our all our equipment um, for the kids, which is sort of four to fourteen year old. So. As I say, our, our, our kit's getting pretty much out there all around the world now. So, yeah, you can find all the details there. And we've got a, a warehouse here in Scotland, and we've also got one in Orlando, and we've got one in Melbourne in Australia. So um, if for any of your um, U.S. Uh, customers, um, we've got plenty of stock over there in Orlando that can get out to them anytime. All right, fantastic. That's uh, Alan Tate, a great uh, uh, person in the world of golf. Chris may hook up with him in Scotland. Who knows? But uh, what fun. Thank you very much, Alan. Thanks, guys. Take take care. And you're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan, and streaming at uh, lakeswoodsandirons.com. Also podcasting now at uh, Podcast MN. Podcast MN is a new landing spot for Minnesota podcasts, and uh, so try that out. Also on Facebook, Lakes, Woods, and Irons. On Facebook, Chris, a special guest with us. I'll let you uh, handle the introductions. 
Yeah, I want to welcome my good friend, John Polkas. John is the Vice President of Global Business Sales for a new, relatively new company called Theragun. And we go back a long time to his days as senior management at Callaway. Welcome to the show, John. Well, thank you, Chris and Colin. A pleasure to join you guys on this uh, this fine afternoon. Nice to have you. We're just uh, talking off air. You're you're trapped in the house, so business is what kind of what you're concentrating on, John. <laughs> it is in, in this new reality of uh, quarantine. I think it's day sixty-two. I've been in a condo here in Los Angeles, about three blocks from our office. So I can, if I walk around the corner, I can see the office of what it used to be like. Uh, fortunately, <laughs> fortunately, though, our business is doing really well with, uh, you know, health and wellness people looking, uh, you know, how to work out at home, how to take care of uh, their bodies at home, uh, our bodies resonating at, on Theragun.com. So it's been great. John, I always like to talk about things and people on the show that are not only good for golf, but good for your lifestyle. And Theragun is, is something that has been like a game changer for me. Uh, somebody who was on their feet all day and running all, all the time. But t- tell us about uh, what Theragun is. Well, it's uh, thank you for that, Chris. And, you know, I, I love to tell the story of how I came to this company. I was with Callaway Golfer for 20 plus years, was, you know, looking to retire at Callaway, <clears throat> was recruited over to Theragun and uh, was not interested in leaving the company, but uh, the CEO sent me the product overnight, and I got to use it, and, and uh, my wife always slaps me. She said, I sound like an infomercial, and I, and I don't mean to. But I opened the product, and I used it on my lower back, which I've had trouble with for years, and immediately had relief. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I've got to be, be part of this. And it's, you know, the products just changed my life. And so, so what is it? You know, in short, it's a handheld, deep tissue, deep muscle massage gun. And what makes this product so unique, <clears throat> excuse me, guys, is the power at which this small handheld device works. Uh, you know, it, it's got a little bit of a piston and an attachment, and that piston and attachment enter into your skin, into your muscle and tissue at about a half an inch of depth. And that half of an inch of depth, it does so at 40,000 percussions per second. And that quick movement on and off the skin, in and out of the muscle, provides a tremendous host of of benefits to the body. Uh, It helps the muscle uh, oxygenate. It moves the muscle, so it's like stretching. So it provides you you a lot of warm-up feeling, like as if you're stretching. And it also helps your muscles recover at the end of a hard day. You know, Chris, I know you're out on the, on the range all day with students. You know, helps the lower back, helps your legs, helps your shoulders, just helps your overall feeling of wellness. And uh, it's just a, it's a phenomenal product. Uh, so that, that's the Theragun story in, in a minute. <laughs> it's a couple of minutes. Yeah, I, I use it every night before I go to bed, but... I've, since we reopened, I've also been using it kind of before. If I'm going to hit some balls, I'll use it on you know on my lower back, my shoulders, and it's amazing how much quicker my warm up is and how much better I hit it. It's it's funny that you bring that up, Chris, because we were talking uh, a few buddies of mine. We now do a, a little Zoom happy hour on Friday nights, and we were all laughing at it. 
us as all golfers, you know, what warm-up means to a golfer is, is, you know, it varies the spectrum. But for many of us, warm-up means jumping out of the car, running down to the tee, uh, taking two clubs, doing a couple of swings and some squat movement, and then trying to hit swing up the club at 100 miles an hour. It's no wonder we all have <laughs> lower back problems and uh, other injuries. But you're 100% right. If you just take the Paragon and use it for you know, four or five minutes, taking from the top of your body to the bottom of your body, our founder, Dr. Jason, will tell you five minutes with Theragun is like one hour of stretching. And I don't know about you two guys, but I haven't stretched for an hour and may, maybe ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, right. Combined, yeah. <laughs> right. It really does help with, with warm-up. And, it, and it's not just with golf. I mean, I feel better. I use mine every morning. It just I feel better throughout the day. I use mine as I'm now. You know, we're all locked at home on quarantine. My my stand-up desk is in my office, so I've been back to a chair. I'm using it throughout the day. Just stand up, zap my legs, zap my back, zap my shoulders, and you know, really feel great. So not only post-round, uh, pre-round, obviously before maybe that uh, quick two swings with a golf club, and uh, maybe as you're getting out of the car, you could try it for five minutes before you run to the first tee. Absolutely. I keep mine in the uh, in my locker at, at the club. I also have one in my golf bag, so I'll use it out uh, during the round. Um, I would, we just did a, a, a podcast with Colin Morikawa, who's a, a PGA Tour pro, who's now our ambassador for Theragun on the tour. He told me, uh, we just a couple weeks ago, he actually will have his mini in his bag while he's out on tour. Uh, you know, he tends to have some little back spasms that hit him now and again, and uh, he's going to be having the mini in his bag, and he said he, he's more worried his caddy will be used more than he will. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a godsend for Freddie Couples. Wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> believe me, I've tried to reach out to him. <laughs> I'll bet. <laughs> John, I noticed this week in Golf Digest that you guys have kind of rebranded yourself to uh, uh, Therabody, and you've got some new products as well. Yeah, so the, the move to Therabody was um, obviously a purposeful decision to rebrand the company. Therabody is now, if you think of it, that's the umbrella, the overarching company name, Therabody under which is the Theragun Vice business, which is really how we got started and have had this amazing, successful run over the last three years. So there'll be Theragun Device, and under Therabody will also be TheraOne, which is a new CBD line that we are introducing on July 7th. Um, you know, golfers, the golf vertical in particular has had some some success with CBD products. You know, as it's become more mainstream, the product is phenomenal. We we were uh, we bought our own farm in in Colorado. We're controlling everything from seed to to product in the marketplace. Uh, will be 100% USDA certified organic, and we really think it it broadens our appeal as a health and wellness company. You know, we're a tech wellness company, and having devices that you can also use with the CBD lotions and creams and sticks uh, really increases the efficacy both of the CBD and the device when they're used together. So we think it's another uh, step in the right direction to helping 
in, in our case, golfers, uh, with both warm-up and recovery, now with devices and CBD. Boy, John, it just seems yeah. like it's such a, a wide open. I mean, golfers for sure, myself uh, included. I'm uh, one of those run-to-the-tee guys, it seems like, with work and all those kind of things getting in the way. But um, uh, lots of people obviously could, could utilize this. It really does. When I, when we started, uh, when I started with the company nine months ago, the, the focus in all of our social media was very fitness oriented. Uh, you know, a lot of our social media, you know, is really good fit athletes. Uh, but we've started to realize over the last three years that this product, really, every single person on earth could be a, a p- potential user of the product. It's it's that beneficial, um, and. Now we're starting to realize as we expand into golf and bike and run and hockey and lacrosse and medical, uh, we're expanding our verticals because really everybody can use the product. And so it does benefit from, you know, my grandmother uh, down to, uh, you know, famous athletes like Christian Ronaldo that use the product. So it's, it's, it's out there for everybody. So all us guys like myself who are carrying – 40 pounds you know that's a tough workout in itself so this could really this could really help <laughs> i'm with you i think there's more of us than there are christian <laughs> john how can uh, well, people get this product chris you want to talk about your experience with it a little too well kind of like i was saying earlier it's it's been a game changer for me as far as the way i feel on a daily basis and um, you know, I stand on my feet all day and my calves tend to get tight and I get leg cramps in the middle of the night and that would lead to my back tightening up. And, but I'll tell you, since I started using there again, I have, I don't have those leg cramps anymore. So my back doesn't hurt anymore and I sleep better. So, so all good, so amazing. all good things. Yeah. And, and uh, Colin, to answer your question on how you get it, yeah. uh, Obviously, you can go to www.theragun.com. Uh, we're also now in the rebranded www.therabody, T-H-E-R-A-B-O-D-Y, therabody.com. And we're also uh, servicing golf professionals and pro shops around the country. Uh, we're also in significant uh, big box retailers like PGA Tour Superstore and Golf Galaxy. And uh, just growing uh, so that where golfers are, they should be seeing our product. And if they don't, um, just go to theragun.com and products available there. Fantastic, John. This is, a, yeah, this is a, like Chris says, game changer. This sounds like uh, something a lot of people can use, including myself. So very interesting. Sure appreciate you taking the time, John. Well, thank you all for having me. Colin, Chris, uh, absolute pleasure. I enjoyed spending some time with you this morning. Thanks very much, John. I appreciate it. All right. See you all. You're Thanks. listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. Uh, 1380 KLIZ, the fan. This segment brought to your way by Craigan's Resort with uh, great golf, great food, great uh, stay and play opportunities for you. So check out Craigan's Resort and the Legacy Golf Courses. Find us at Lakes, Woods, and Irons, our Facebook page, and also uh, PodMN, the landing spot for Minnesota podcasts as well. Chris, I was looking at uh, kind of an interesting article. Uh, Tony Jacklin, uh, great uh, British Open champ, and uh, 
he had uh, there was golf's five uh, underachievers, five greatest underachievers, which is a tough title to have. It's not just majors, as you'll see from the list, but uh, uh, Sergio Garcia is on the list at 40 years old, and uh, he's got the Masters Championship that he finally won a few years back. Not very many, really. But uh, Sergio was a guy that just broke on the scene at like 19 years old and was going to be Tiger's main uh, main competitor in that age bracket, and it just uh, hasn't really come to fruition. Yeah, t- Sergio is, is definitely, if you look up underachievers, he's probably going to be on the list. You know, an immense talent who never really putted as well as he could have, which, which held him back. And I think he lived in the shadow of, of, of Seve and Jose Maria Othball. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you, when you play in the air with Tiger, like Phil Mickelson, you're not going to win as much. When, when Tiger's winning, you know, almost 40% of the events he plays in, that takes away some events from everybody else. Yeah, yeah, very true. And just those two guys. Then you got some some all-time greats in this class. Uh, Ernie Els with uh, his number of career wins. Phil has, I think, 43 or 45, something like that. Tiger's got 80. So just between Phil and Tiger, that's 125 wins. And uh, those are usually pretty decent-sized tournaments that they're winning. So, Right. When you consider that 40, 42 events a year, that's a big percentage. One of the places where Sergio has uh, really shined is Ryder Cup, which is interesting. He, uh, they take a lot of uh, Europeans, certainly have a lot of pride in that event, and uh, the game seems to elevate uh, during the Ryder Cup for a lot of those European players. No question. You know, the, the Europeans, the last two decades, have, have dominated the Ryder Cup. As, you know, and then they, uh, there's just something that they, those teams bond so much better it seems like than we do and just rise to the occasion yeah yeah they do and i think they've done a better job of of the analytics and, and the pairings and and setting up the golf courses in their advantage and it's it's become such a big part of of the european tour and what they do and um, it's it's pretty fascinating Certainly a major for most of the European players in their own minds. So, And no Anthony doubt. Kim and the next two guys have a couple of unique stories, Anthony Kim and Sean O'Hare. Kim, uh, he's another guy that just looked like he was going to take the world by storm, and he kind of was taking the world by storm. His game was uh, extraordinary. He was one of those guys that could go really low any time and uh, shoot rounds in the low 60s often and then had a wrist injury and uh, – uh, there was talk of him coming back year after year after year, and we just haven't heard anything from Anthony Kim. Always, he's kind of the uh, uh, what um, the, U- the UFO of the tour because there's uh, sightings of him supposedly playing <laughs> golf at different courses, and and uh, but no real no real evidence of it because uh, uh, the injury is, and I think his wrist injury, and then insurance and those kind of things. It's it's it is kind of a mystery with Anthony Kim. Yeah, no doubt. Anthony's kind of a cult-like figure, yet he still has a great following among golf junkies. But, uh, you know, another guy who, fantastic Ryder Cup uh, player, I think he just played one at Valhalla, but he, he was a competitor and, and uh, played fantastic in that, in that Ryder Cup. 
uh, wrist injury where it sounded like he had a huge uh, insurance settlement, but he couldn't play golf anymore if he took that insurance settlement. He's kind of uh, just gone undercover. Yeah, what a trade-off. Do you bet on yourself, your injured self, I guess, or take whatever it was? I had heard $30 million at one point in time, so uh, do you risk that? And uh, bet on yourself, and then find out the injury is severe. I don't know. That's a that's a tough one. And Sean O'Hare, he really has a unique story, Chris. He's uh, one of yeah, the guys on the list as well. You know, Sean O'Hare had a very domineering father that that really pushed Sean to be be a great player. And to the extent that if he if he had a bad round, he, we'd have to run a mile for every bogey he made. Uh, his dad would drive the car behind him, pushing him to, to run faster and you know, make him practice at all hours of the day and those type of things. So his, his father really, really pushed him in the wrong direction and uh, kind of amazing that he's achieved the things he has, but for his talent level, maybe didn't win as much as he should. Sure. And uh, well, you, that kind of situation can take the joy out of the game so easily. My goodness. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Boy, would I be in good shape if I had to run a mile every bogey I made, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> four, four hours on the course and then four hours running? At least, well, four. Yeah, a lot more than that. It'd take me a while to run a hundred, run a mile. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, Nick Watney on the list. Yeah, he's a guy I, I think. Uh, the fans kind of want, always want Nick to play well, and he wins some of those tournaments where the field isn't quite as good at, uh, in the in the off season. It seems like he'll pick up a win every couple of years there, uh, keep his card intact somewhere in the top 50, I suppose. But Watney's a guy who looked like he was going to explode as well at one time in his career. Yeah, kind of a guy who does everything pretty well but doesn't excel at any area of the game. And... Uh, He's one of those guys, his personalities, you don't really know him that well. Yeah. But uh, I don't know if I'd call him an underachiever, but a great journeyman in the game of golf. Yeah, got a fabulous career. That's what you think of all these guys. I mean, who wouldn't trade places with him? Uh, 99.9% of the world would. But uh, yet at the top level, you're uh, supposed to be the best. So. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, um, I was on the range with you a couple of weeks back, uh, uh, getting fitted for, uh, uh, new fairway woods. And we ended up, I ended up getting one of those from you. And, uh, let's just talk about the fitting process a little, Chris. It's, uh, it's, uh, a sport that's unique that way in a way it's more so than most other sports. You can really get, when you get fitted, you can really get, uh, dialed into a player's unique uh, capabilities, I guess. Well, I think that, you know, the thing when somebody buys new golf equipment, the hope is that they're going to play better. And sometimes that happens and sometimes that doesn't. But going going through a fitting is really going to increase that chance of, of playing better. And if it, most people don't know what the process is, but, but what we do is, number one, we have you hit your current equipment first. Yeah. So... So we establish a baseline of where your your current equipment is, collect data with, with TrackMan, our launch monitor. And then based on that data, we're going to choose some clubs that hopefully will enhance your game. 
And so we're going to have you hit multiple brands of clubs and collect the data and see how each performs next to each other. And generally one or two of those clubs is going to come to the top for performance. It's going to feel the best. It's going to look the best hit. And hopefully you're going to play better then. Yeah, it was, it was, it's fun to do. I enjoy the process of it and uh, trying to get better in the meantime during the lesson. And then, and then uh, hit a couple. We had, just in my case, I hit the uh, three wood and the four wood. And I have a seven wood that I, for, for whatever reason, hit real well. And uh, the difference between the seven wood and the four wood was minimal. Uh, so we decided, I always liked four woods, but uh, the seven wood kind of fills that gap. So we, just between us, kind of thought, well, you know, maybe you don't need both. Why don't, you, why don't you go for the three wood and get a little extra distance? Right. You know, especially in the longer clubs, when you get down to the, you know, your long irons, your hybrids, fairway woods, so many times the gapping between those clubs isn't big enough. So a lot of times in a people's bag, let's say they, they have a four, five, and six iron in their set, they end up hitting all of those a fairly similar distance on average. When they, when they really hit one good, they might have the proper gapping. But when they're just hitting them average, they're all very close to each other. So if you add... For instance, a, a three or four hybrid and take the four iron on the five iron, then you've got more gap, a, a proper gapping, and the club is easier to hit. Yeah, yeah. And and then same with the fairway woods. A lot of times, in your case, you, you didn't have any trouble getting the, the three wood up in the air. A lot of times with a three wood compared to a four wood, somebody will have a struggle to get the three wood up in the air. They may occasionally hit it well but with four with the added off they can carry it farther roll it farther and hit it more consistent so they're actually longer with that club it becomes a much more playable club the look and feel of the club too because I, I have had some difficulty getting the loft on the three wood and and uh, this club that we fitted me for is uh, very nice fits my eye I guess and uh, I, I'm able to get down through the ball but I had a really top brand in my bag that I just tried a couple of years ago, and I couldn't get the thing off the ground. And, and you know, lots of people play the club I'm talking about. We don't want to give a bad review to anybody because, you know, a lot of people have it in their bag. But for me, sure. I was thinking, I can't hit this three wood to save my, my, save my life. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the the one we hit the other day, I was thinking, yeah, this, and it fit more like the seven wood that's in my bag that I hit so well, so. Uh, just worked out. Yeah, I always tell people, you know, if you've got a club in your bag that you that you can't hit or you're not comfortable with, take it out of the bag because every time you take it out of the out of the bag and attempt to hit a shot, you have a, a bad image in your mind of hitting it, so you're rarely going to hit it well. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So I'm hoping the three wood really works, Chris. Have you got it? Did it get? Did it come in? You know, I, I, it should be here any day. Because <laughs> I need help, Chris. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> we all need help, Matt. <laughs> yes, we do. All right. You've been listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Matt. On 1380 KLIZ.